My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. It is so great to get to be here with you. I'm telling you, it is the most humbling thing in life to be in a space like this one where, where God all, is all the time um, narrowing the gap between heaven and earth. And like we get to experience in this place uh, what, it, what it's like to be part of God's people, to be part of the kingdom of God. And um, so I just uh, thank you for letting me be, be here with you today. Um, I've got a, a date circled on my calendar. It's July the 11th, this coming summer. On July 11th, my son Miles and I are going to be getting on an airplane, flying to Chicago, going to Wrigley Field to watch the Chicago Cubs play and probably beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I know, it's exciting. Okay, I'm getting like mixed vibe in the room. You don't have to, it's okay, it's okay. Um, <laughs> we've been looking forward to, to this trip for some time, actually since this night. In 2015, the fall of 2015, this was during Game 7 of the World Series. That look on my face is because I've been a Cubs fan for a couple decades. I did not expect them to be able to win um, that, that day, and they pulled it out. It was amazing. <laughs> so this is something that we've been looking forward to for, for quite some time. Do you have anything that's circled on your calendar? Anything like you're looking, looking forward to, some rest, some kind of vacation, something that's out there? You know, it's pretty amazing to have that, that thing that's out there for you because, well, it helps you kind of get through today, right? Get through this day, then I'm one step closer to getting to that day of rest or vacation. I think that most of us do that in one way or, or the other, but the problem with that is that it keeps us tired and worn out when we think that way, even, even while we're in the midst of what's supposed to be rest or vacation, right? And it's because we haven't yet accepted God's invitation to live out in the spacious places that he desires for us. So that's some language that Pastor Jacob introduced last week as we began this series called A Spacious Place. And the, the words that we focused in on came from David in Psalm 19. I'm going to share them with you again. He said this, David wrote this, He, God, brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. What did David mean by a spacious place? Well, it's not really all that specific. It seems like maybe it's, is it a physical place? Is it a heart thing? What, what is it? And because he didn't define it um, specifically, it kind of helps us to be able to ask ourselves what it means for us. Like, what, what does it sound like to me? to hear those words, and to hear an invitation from God into a spacious place. So for me, if I were to answer the question, a spacious place for me is, um, I would say it's any place where I feel most like myself. So one of those places for me is the living room in the house that I grew up in, in Wichita, Kansas. Like, when I'm there, I'm like, oh, I'm myself. Or just now around other, other folks who just know me really well, which isn't as many people as you might think, because it's rare to have somebody who really knows you, right? Because it's, it's hard to be vulnerable. It, makes you, you have, it requires vulnerability to be known, and it, which is kind of like being out in an open space, an open field, you know? You're vulnerable to attack. And so one of the things that we want to do is just kind of hang out in the tree line on the edge of a spacious place and look at the people who are, are living out there and maybe admire them or maybe, maybe throw things at them. <laughs> but could it be that God wants us to be able to find true rest and true communion with him in a spacious place. 
So just kind of where, where does your mind go? Where does your heart go when you hear those words that God invites you into a spacious place? I encourage you just kind of think, think about that. Maybe even jot it down, or maybe it's a, a mental picture for you um, to think about what is the spacious place that God is inviting you into. It has something to do with rest. And the word rest is the word used to describe the intention of what the Bible calls Sabbath. We got into this a little bit last, last week. Rest, Sabbath, names what God did after he created the whole earth, the whole universe, <laughs> and everything in it, including us. After God made magnificent us, he took a break. <laughs> he took a day. Sometimes we'll say that. I, I, just need, I just need a moment. I just need a day, right? I've just, what I've just done requires me to take a second, right? So God took a day because I think it makes sense because we're, we're complicated creatures, right? <laughs> that was a lot of work if you think about it. If you like dig into the, what it means to be human, God deserved a day off, <laughs> right? And so we rested. Now, I don't know, the records don't go back this far. I don't know if the Cubs were in town that day, but what did God do on his day off? Oh, right. He did nothing. <laughs> he did the most amazing thing. He did nothing. Doing nothing sounds alarming to us, right? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute for us. If we have a day to do nothing, we're going to fill it with something, right? That means you have an opportunity to do something else that you didn't do the day before. Recently, the Youngman family had a day of nothing. Strange occurrence. It doesn't happen all that often. Everything just kind of lined up. We didn't have any meetings. The kids didn't have anywhere that we had to, to shuttle them back and forth to. And so the kids did this really great job of being creative and doing good, restful things upstairs in the spacious place we have provided for them. <laughs> and, and Jenny and I sat down just to enjoy it. And then just a few moments later, I don't even know what happened, but Jenny was saying to me, you're busy. And, and without even thinking about it, I had stood up and started straightening things. I started picking up, our, our children have some items, you know, in the house that sometimes you got to pick up, and, and I was straightening things, and I was about to reach for some cleaning supplies, and if Jenny hadn't said anything, I would have been in the garage, like, completely overhauling things, you know? Like, I was, I was in that mode. She had to say to me, you're busy. And I would like to say that's a one-time occurrence, but it's not true. One time she said to me, you're busy, and I wasn't even moving. I was sitting right next to her, and she said, you're busy. And she was right. She meant you're working in your head. Now, I have a pretty good rationale for this. I think a lot of you will agree with me that this is solid. I need to clear clutter in order to be able to enjoy rest. Anybody else? Is that something? Yeah, right? Like, there's just, when there's stuff around, it's hard to enjoy it. It's hard to rest. This is my condition. And, and on the surface, I mean, I will continue to go to bat for this. I think it's appropriate. It's logical to clean before you rest. <laughs> The problem is we're never done, right? We're never done resting, and so we're never done, done uh, working, and so we never rest. But God did. God rested. <laughs> After he created everything, he rested. Here's how it says it in Genesis. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. You see how that works? God was done, and so he rested. God completed his work and he rested. God was finished, and he rested. In all fairness to us, we are not God. God rested because he was done, 
But our work seems like it just goes on and on and on. You finish one thing, there's another thing. So if we're going to rest, we actually have to choose to stop. Otherwise, the stopping point will always remain a future date circled on your calendar. If, if only we had an example, you know, somebody who had been walking around on this earth, <laughs> who knew what it was like to feel like it wasn't quite done yet, um, who knew what it was like to walk around with all this craziness of the world swirling around him, if only, right? Um, I just set myself up for a great cheesy pastor segue. Um, we do. It's Jesus, <laughs> right? In Jesus, we have that. Because Jesus had this ability. He, he carried Sabbath with him. You know what I mean? He, uh, when he was on, he was on. He, he went around and he was healing people and he was teaching people and he was down in the dirt with people who were hurting, right? He was on. But every once in a while, he would take a moment and he would step away and he would go to the hillside or the mountainside and, and it would just be him and God. And for him, that was rest and Sabbath and struggle and all of that just wrapped up into these moments when he would get away and rest. He, the thing is that when he left those places, when he left the mountainside, when he left those little moments of Sabbath, he carried it with him. He didn't just leave it there. He carried some of that with him, right? He carried peace. He carried um, joy. He carried all that rest, that Sabbath with him. And so people noticed it. People would see him and they'd be like, what is it with that guy? And it was because he was carrying Sabbath around. He himself said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And what, what he taught us through this is that Sabbath is not for one moment a week. Sabbath is for life. Jesus is kind of turning our understanding and definition on its head. Sabbath is for life. Life when you need help. Life when you've got it all together. Life when you're hungry. Life when you're fully fed. Life when you're lonely. Life when you're surrounded by friends. But in Jesus' day, the Sabbath had become just another rule to follow. Actually, it had become a long list of rules to follow to follow. And when rules become disconnected from their intent, they're just hoops to jump through, right? And that just becomes exhausting, jumping through hoops day after day, not actually accomplishing anything. It's like the exhaustion that you feel at the end of a trip, you know? We've all said this before. We, you know, we, we've planned a, a vacation. We've planned this time, this wonderful thing. And then we come back from it and we'll say to each other, I need a vacation from my vacation. It sounds like you know those words. <laughs> you know, the answer to fatigue is not another rule. That's what Jesus is trying to emphasize here. You're feeling tired. You're feeling worn out. I've got something for you, but it's not another rule. The answer to fatigue is to see rest the way Jesus does. To see rest the way Jesus sees rest. How did Jesus see rest? Well, on this day, in this story that we just read... It was walking with his friends through a field, <laughs> open fields of grain. He would just kind of stroll with them, and he would encourage them to eat when they were hungry. Rest is not a moment. It's not a rule. It's how you live. And, and I think our hearts are designed to actually tell us this. You've probably been sitting there before or seen somebody else sitting, and they look like they're completely restful. But your heart, your heart is telling you otherwise, right? On the outside, you look like you're at peace, but your heart's pounding like there's something going on. I think our hearts are designed to tell us when we're not resting. And rest comes from peace 
that comes from God. The best rule followers of Jesus' day did not like Jesus' definition of Sabbath or how to observe it. They had it all set up. They had a list of things they could do, and they wanted to be able to keep that. So they were, they were offended by him. And so they pointed out the sin of eating grain in a field on the Sabbath day. But Jesus was, he was ready for their, their attack. Instead of arguing about the ins and outs of the law, he brought up this common, shared, sacred history of theirs. There was this guy named David. We just heard his words from Psalm 18. Jesus says that David and his friends were hungry and that he entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful, for the, it was against the rules, for them to do, but only for the priests. So the house of God is like this place where God was thought to dwell. You know, somebody said, where's your God? They'd say, he's in the temple. He's in the, the house of God. And David and his companions went into that place and they ate what was called the bread of the presence of God. So they, this bread was set aside. And because they were hungry, they went in to where God was and they ate. And this may sound strange and it may sound like the wrong thing for David and his, and his friends to do. I think if we're going to try to like put it into today's terms, the closest thing that we could say is, you know, imagine somebody breaks into Providence Church. Don't do that. They break into Providence Church and they find our stash of King's Hawaiian bread that we use for communion, and they eat it all, like every single bite of it. <laughs> now, if that happened, I'm sure we would say, at some point, we'd take a breath, and we'd say, they were probably really hungry. And so we're glad that they found some bread to eat. We would have provided them with something to eat, but now we don't have any communion bread. <laughs> That's okay, because we can just go buy some more, right? It's not that big of a deal. Seriously, please don't break in to where the Hawaiian bread is. We'll share some with you in just a few moments. <laughs> but it seems like when Jesus is saying this about David, that he's, what he's trying to say is that somebody else broke the law too. But then he says that the law itself always allows priests to eat the bread which was dedicated as an offering to God. So that same bread priests were actually, by the law, allowed to eat. So Jesus points this out. Even the law says that people can eat of this bread on the Sabbath day. I think what he's saying is um, that a, a bigger thing is happening with this God who was thought to live in the temple. What Jesus is saying is the Son of God is actually walking around in the fields with his friends eating, eating grain. Now, Matthew doesn't give us the immediate response of these rule followers. I imagine they're kind of processing some of these sometimes crazy-sounding things that Jesus says but they followed him. They stuck with him in this. They didn't just let him go. And they followed him and brought him to a man who had a withered hand. And so they thought to themselves, well, we, can, we can test this guy. Because they, they knew something about Jesus. They knew that he was a man of compassion. They knew that he was able to heal. And they knew that it was a Sabbath day and it was against the law. So they, they brought this man with a withered hand to Jesus and said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Which was a really mean trick. He was perfectly set up. And before we get to Jesus' response, uh, these words are kind of lingering around. He had just said this. He had just said, God wants mercy more than sacrifice. In other words, God wants you to demonstrate mercy more than check off boxes on a list. And they're asking him to choose between mercy and sacrifice. And he uses, this is kind of classic Jesus response. 
to the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus said, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He nailed it. (laughs) Isn't it reasonable to do good? (laughs) Doesn't God call us to do good? No matter what. So then Jesus kind of, he could have stayed in this moment. He could have kept like going down that road with the rule followers. Or he could have walked away. Argument completed. (laughs) Instead, he turned to the man with the withered hand and he said, stretch out your hand. Say you were offered deliverance from like the worst, most painful thing you've ever gone through in your life, your biggest hurt. Say you're in the hospital, you're in the emergency room, it's Sunday, a doctor comes in and says, I can heal you right now. And you say to them, "Mm, it's the Sabbath day, why don't we wait until tomorrow? We'll just put that off until tomorrow, even though I'm in immense pain. We wouldn't do that, right? We would ask for and receive healing, and healing comes out of Sabbath rest. So Jesus walks up to the man, stretch out your hand, and says, so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored. Just as sound as the other. Can you, like, can you picture that? This man's got two hands sticking out in front of him. One of them is completely withered and unusable, and the other hand works. And then suddenly he's got two good hands. Like, what is he thinking about? What's he remembering about his life when, what could he not do with a withered hand? I'm imagining that he's, he's looking with hope at his future all of a sudden. And I think, he, I would like to believe he did this. He could have potentially, anyway, gotten up, walked into that same field of grain that Jesus had just been in with his followers, and picked grain with that hand that didn't work a moment ago and doing it all on the Sabbath. Jesus invites you into a spacious place of rest, not to delay, to delay your healing, but to facilitate your healing. I want to invite you to do something that might be uncomfortable. You can, you can switch hands in just a moment, but I want to invite you to stretch out your hand. <laughs> stretch it out in front of you. And maybe your hand isn't, isn't withered, but can you let it represent for you a place of brokenness and deepest need and longing in you? And as you picture, as you're in this position, you know, a lot of times reaching out your hand for something is like, it's kind of a scene of weakness, right? Like a, a child reaching out in desperation to a parent. And that's exactly what this is. Reaching out in desperation to God with our brokenness, asking for healing. It's the Sabbath day. It's okay to ask for healing. I, I kind of imagine... Um, Miles and I on the third baseline, like reaching up for a foul ball. And, and maybe there's something in that Sabbath time in which God can bring healing to us. And maybe your healing takes place now. This is Sabbath time, and Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. As you extend your hand out, I want to invite you to, to pray this prayer with me, asking for that kind of healing from God. God, we need you to rescue us, to rescue us from a powerful enemy, to set us in a spacious place, and to delight in us there. Heal our bodies and restore our rest. Amen. I think this is a pretty profound scene, 
even though we do this every week here, we have communion, and I'll explain that to you in just a moment. It involves bread, that same Hawaiian bread. And it was made of grain that used to be out in the fields, scattered around, and it's been collected in some way. And as you receive communion today, you'll be invited to come forward and receive it. I want you to imagine that you're walking in the field with Jesus, experiencing what it means to have Sabbath, seeing how Jesus sees the Sabbath, and then receiving the nourishment that you need. You can still be at rest in the peace of Jesus while you reach out your hand for bread and juice today. We want you to be able to taste and see the goodness of God because he is for you. He is for your healing. He is for you to have life. He is for you to be made whole and to know what it means to rest in a spacious place. If you find yourself reaching out to Jesus today, we're going to have folks in the, in the corner ready to pray with you uh, as we come forward for communion. I'm going to invite you to, to create a spacious place and walk into it um, looking for Jesus to bring healing for you. Would you pray with me? God, we love you for all the ways that you give us life for inviting us to walk in a different way, in a different place, to walk out into the open, to be vulnerable before you so that we can have life in you to its fullest. Give us pictures of what that place looks like for us and draw us closer and closer to you there. God, we pray as we come and receive bread and juice as a sign of the, the very presence of, of God presence of Jesus with us as he walked around on the earth and pointed out how to have rest and how to have life we walk with him now to receive him God send your Holy Spirit into this gift of bread and juice make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we could be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood in Jesus name